Well, welcome everyone, whether you're here live in person, tuning in online or on demand, we're so glad that you're here. The series that we're launching into is called Talking to Walls, and it's all about prayer. But before we get there, I have this question to ask you. How many of you have a pet peeve? How many of you? Yeah, a few of you? I've noticed in this COVID season that my pet peeves are starting to surface more regularly than I'm used to. One of them is actually a lack of connection. And when I'm talking about lack of connection, I'm referring to the digital technology that is sustaining us in so many ways right now. For several months, my wife and I, we've been doing distance education for our kids prior to summer. We had to complete the school year online, and we needed that connection so desperately so that our kids could stay connected with their teachers, get through the content that they needed to get through so that they're ready for their next year of school. In addition to that, it was work-related. Like, that was our connection to the work world. We were doing business online, whether that was banking, buying things, ordering food, having it delivered to our house, whatever it might be, that connection was so vital. Not only that, it became our social outlet. I love my wife, and I know she loves me, but we know and love each other enough. It's so different this year because we were all digitally connected through screens as we were eating with one another. And you're trying to talk to each other, but it was hard to get conversation in between bites of mashed potatoes and corn and gravy and ham and whatever else was on the table, in addition to the conversation about wanting more or needing more. Connection is such a vital part of our community. The most frustrating part is when you're in your house and the Wi-Fi is working really, really well. You've got full bars and everything is good, and yet it still isn't functioning properly. You're not allowed to, to stream your favorite TV show, or you're missing that email, or that Zoom call or business meeting is just not going well because you're always getting interrupted. All of those feelings with angst and uh, related to this lack of connection that we sometimes feel, I, I think I sometimes feel that about prayer. I don't know if you're like me about that, but I sometimes feel like I'm doing everything right and yet I just, I'm not getting where I want to go in terms of my life with prayer. You ever feel like that? Well, we're going to, over the next four weeks, dig into questions like that about prayer in a real intentional way. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to really encourage you to flip with me to John chapter 15. We're going to camp there for the, the duration of our time together today. John chapter 15, reading the first eight verses. Just before I read scripture, let me kind of set this up a little bit more. The book of John is in our New Testament of the Bible, which is the last third of scripture. It's one of four gospel books of the Bible. And what that means, a gospel book of the Bible, is these firsthand accounts, these biographies, if you will, on the life of Jesus whether they were written by somebody who was right there or dictated to somebody who was writing them down by someone who was right there present during the life of Jesus. You've got Matthew. Matthew is this great, amazing book that's focused on people that are stuck in what I'll call religiosity. They're stuck in religious ways. They're stuck in rules and regulations. And the book of Matthew is targeted to that group of people, particularly the first group was the people of, of Jewish background and faith, trying to connect with them and, and help them to see that what they were waiting for, this Messiah and this King, was exactly the Jesus that existed in the world that the Gospel of Matthew talks about. 
The book of Mark happens to be the oldest of the four biographies. It's really short, sweet, and to the point. You get the meat and potatoes there when you dig into the book of Mark. The book of Luke, when you get to it, it's very detailed. It was written by a physician, somebody who was really focused on all of the things that needed to be said in a variety of ways. So you get a lot of more detailed information in the book of Luke than you do in the other books. And then we get to the book of John, which just so happens to be my favorite of the books. You're allowed to have favorite parts of the Bible, by the way. It's my favorite of the books, and the book of John is like we get to peel back the layers and we get to see this intimate connection and friendship that Jesus has with the people around him. And it's a deep and a meaningful and rich text. John chapter 15, we dive into a conversation that Jesus is having with his friends, and the first eight verses are read like this. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. As I mentioned, the book of John gives us this real intimate look into the life of Jesus and his close connection with his closest group of friends called the disciples. And, and this chunk of scripture isn't any different in that we're parachuting right into this moment, this genuine, unique, real, authentic moment that Jesus is having with his closest friends. He's been talking to them about leaving, about going away, about dying. And if you've ever had a friend that's talking to you about leaving the community that you've grown up in and moving across the country or switching schools or switching jobs or heaven forbid they're talking about their end of life strategy because they've got a terminal illness of some kind, it's very difficult. There's an emotional roller coaster associated with a moment like that. And Jesus' friends are no different than you and I. They're confused. They've got lots of questions. They don't know what's going on entirely, even though Jesus has been trying to prepare them for this moment. And so he has a series of conversations with them about all of their concerns. And this just happens to be right in the middle of one of those. And he talks about gardening. Now, I'm not a gardener. If you want to know who the gardener is on our staff team, you talk to Pastor Roger. He's got green thumbs times four. It's amazing. He talks about gardening, and he says, like, I am the grapevine. I'm the true vine, and you are the branches. What does he mean by that? What's the difference between a vine and a branch? A vine and a branch. Well, the purpose of the vine is to allow its root system to go deep 
into the soil and pull up all the nutrients, the water, the nitrogen, everything that a plant needs to grow and sustain is fed up through the root system of the vine and into the vine's extremities or the branches. He essentially is saying to his friends, look, I am that vine. I will feed you. Your job is to be a branch. So if a a, a job of the vine is to feed the branches, what's the job of a branch? What do you think? Some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, it's to produce fruit. And you're not incorrect, but that's not the sole purpose of a branch. The purpose of a branch is to stay connected to the vine. A couple weeks ago, there was a windstorm here in Brockville, and I got a big couple of maples in my front yard, and this branch blew down onto my driveway. It's awesome. Like, I can do curls for days. Sean wanted me to do a one-hander, so there we go. It's awesome. It's majestic. It's, it's big. It barely fit in my car. It's intimidating. But this branch is now useless. It didn't do its job. It didn't stay connected. I can't take this branch, plant it at home, and grow a new maple. It's not going to happen. It's just going to stand there. This is all that you can get. Now, some of you are artistic in nature. You're like, I can turn that into something awesome. But its original purpose and design, it's not functioning in the way it was created. It was meant to stay connected. You and I are are crafted in a similar way. We're crafted to stay connected. The whole point of our human existence is to stay connected to our creator. That's the whole entire point. But there are times where we feel disconnected in our spiritual lives. Maybe we don't even have a spiritual life with Jesus. And we're like, I'm completely disconnected from this whole Christianity, Jesus-following thing. What do we do then in those spaces where we feel discarded, where we feel underutilized, underdeveloped, where we feel maybe anemic in our faith walk? Well, let me suggest to you that one of the things that we can do in that moment is to pursue connection. And how we can do that is actually through prayer. See, prayer is more about connection than it is about production. Prayer is more about connection than it is about production. And here's where we we kind of deviate from God's original intent here, I think, in North American culture. We are all focused on production. We want to be efficient and effective in the time that we use. Our work-related strategies, our socially-related strategies, they're all about what we can get or what we can give. It's all focused about production. Prayer is not. Prayer is focused on connection. Prayer is actually two-way communication. Yes, two-way communication. I can remember being a young boy and being taught how to pray. And I was taught, like, when I approach God to say something nice about who he is, talk about him in some way, and then ask him to forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong, and then be thankful for forgiveness and anything else on my list, and then if I had time, to get to my list of items that I wanted him to move in. Whether that was five minutes, ten minutes, three minutes, 60 seconds, That was the order that I would go through. And I recognized over time, I was not giving opportunity for God to speak to me. 
Have you ever been in a relationship where it's one-sided? Where they do all the talking and your job is to only do all the listening? Is that ever a little bit frustrating? I'd like to get a word in here. They keep telling you thing after thing. I got five kids in my house. I got to tell you, I'm told a lot of different things at a lot of different times. It could be frustrating to always be told and never have the opportunity to respond. God is waiting for an opportunity to respond, to talk with you. In the beginning of the human story back in Genesis chapter 1, which happens to be the first book in the Bible, the first page where you see scripture written on. I'm not talking about the publisher information or the table of contents or anything like that. I'm talking about where the verses start. You read about a God who speaks all of creation into being. He opens his mouth and things start to take shape and form. The very words of the creator of the universe bring life. Why wouldn't we then give him space to speak? What are we afraid of? From that moment on, we have this great pursuit where God is just wanting to bless people and speak hope and life into them every step along the way. And one of the ways that we can benefit from that is through prayer. Through understanding that prayer is a two-way communication vehicle. It's not just about production, what we want God to do. It's about hearing from God, taking the time to listen. See, a lot of people, when they think about prayer, they get really intimidated because they're like, I don't have the right words. I can't pray like that person I saw on stage that one time or that person online or this, that, and the other. I don't know what to say. Here's what I say to you in that. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? Start there. You don't have to be fancy in your words. You have to be real and honest and authentic. God, I don't know what you are doing right now. God, I don't even know if you exist. God's big enough to handle all of those questions and even more. It begins with this desire that you and I have to actually pursue a connection. To be the branch, so to speak. To be the branch, because the job of a branch is to stay connected. The job of a branch is to stay connected. Well, Jason, we read a whole bunch of other verses like if, if we stay connected, we can ask God for whatever we want and he's going to grant it to us. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to be a rich millionaire and live forever? No. See, the longer you stay connected to somebody else, the more you become like that person. My wife and I celebrated 16 years of wedded bliss. I call it wedded bliss this summer. We've been together and friends for over 20 years. I don't always do this, but there are times when I can tell what she's thinking. They are rare, but I can do that. It's because we've stayed connected with one another. I know what she needs in the moment, what she's thinking, what would bless her in that space. The longer we stay connected, the deeper we stay connected with Jesus, with the vine, the more we're going to understand what it is that he longs for, for us, 
for our community, for our world, and then our asks start to change. They start to become more selfless instead of selfish. Instead of being like, Lord, would you make me a millionaire? They can become like, Jesus, would you allow me to use what you've given me to bless those around me? We start to right-size everything when we're connected. And when we ask for the things that are on God's heart, he absolutely moves. As I mentioned earlier, having a bunch of kids in your house, you're told a lot of things, you're asked a lot of things. When my kids come and say, hey, can I have 20 bucks? The answer is no, you cannot. But if they come and they say, hey, Dad, I need an extra sandwich in my lunch for school. Why is that? Are you hungry? No, but my kid in my class doesn't have anything to eat. Can you send some more food with me? What's the answer then? Absolutely. Absolutely. If we feel disconnected or disillusioned in our prayer life, I just want to encourage you. Are you, number one, taking the time to talk, but then, number two, stopping talking so you can start listening? And as you're listening and hearing and staying and remaining connected, how is that going to shift what you're asking God for? Well, Jason, there's another part of this text that you haven't even touched it's this whole thing where these, these branches that are dead and withered are just being collected and thrown into the fire. What, what happens if I feel like I'm one of those branches? Am I beyond hope? Do I have nothing to do? Like, is that my lot? This is where I'm going now? That's my destiny? Woohoo! Let me talk to you about another gardening term. It's called fusion. Did you know that we can take in our limited wisdom as human beings, a branch from one kind of fruit tree and graft it into another kind of fruit tree, have it fused together, and in that brand new fruit tree, we get another kind of production. Similarly, God can take a branch like this, maybe because that's what you feel like, or maybe you feel a whole lot smaller than this branch. Maybe you feel insignificant. He can take it and fuse it back into the vine. Well, how does he do that, Jason? It starts with a conversation. Perhaps the most important conversation you will ever have in your life. A conversation. A desire to be connected. Four weeks is 28 days. Imagine what it would look like if you and I for the next 28 days would intentionally and rigorously pursue a deepening connection with the vine. Where we would allow Jesus to feed us, to sustain us, to grow us, to produce fruit through us. Because we don't produce fruit on our own. The vine does that through us. It's our job to stay connected. We have these wonderful tomato plants in our backyard. It's been a sweet, bountiful harvest. But if you've ever worked with tomato plants before, you know that unless you are trimming back the branches at times, they're going to continue to grow lots of leaves and not a lot of fruit. The more we stay connected to Jesus, it's going to feel like in the moment we're being disciplined sometimes. 
We're being stretched beyond what we can handle. We're being challenged to think differently or move differently and a whole bunch of other stuff. That's exactly God's plan. The Christian life following Jesus is not easy, but it is the best form of life available on the planet because if you're not connected to Jesus as the vine, you're connected to something else. And that something else will not water, sustain, grow, or bring you to maturity. That something else is going to do havoc and destruction in your life. It will eat you from the inside out. And there will be chaos all around. And if that happens to be you in that moment, then today I would encourage you, have that conversation with Jesus. Know that he has the power to fuse you back into the vine so that you can stay connected to him. Because every single thing that you and I produce, it's not about us. It's all for God's glory. It's all about the gardener. It's all about the creator. It's not about us. It's one thing to talk about prayer. It's another thing to practice prayer. And over the next number of weeks, we're going to give you pockets of time to practice prayer. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time or a short amount of time, or you're not even sure that you want to start walking with Jesus, we're going to give you space to pray. Over the next two minutes, our worship team is going to come back up. They're going to play some music in the background. And we're going to invite you to pray. And on the screen, there's going to be a simple suggested prayer that you could pray as an individual, as a couple, as a watch party, as a social bubble, as a family. However you want to pray. Use this or any other words. Use your journal or any other thing. But we want to encourage you to grow in your connection. Start that habit. Continue that habit. Make it a priority. Because when you and I pray, we stay connected. And when we're connected, the vine nourishes us, grows us, and helps us to be exactly what we were intended to be. Over the next two minutes, I encourage you to pray. Let me pray really quickly for us as we dive into this moment together. Father, would you teach us to pray? Help us to recognize how much we need you and give us the courage to stay connected and to get fused back into your presence if we've strayed in any way, shape, or form. Would you move and would you speak? Because without you, life is empty. We pray this in your name.